Would you rather say you haven't won a cup since there were only five other, five other teams? Would you rather <laughs> say you haven't won a cup since Canada's age was double digits? Huh? Or you haven't won a cup since before man walked on the moon? Oh my God. <laughs> You know, I I, uh, I poke a lot of fun, and so does Chris. We kind of enjoy this, poking fun at the Toronto Maple Leafs and the GTA in general. And for people that aren't from the Toronto area, the GTA is the greater Toronto area, where if you ask a Torontonian, they will tell you that the world re- revolves around everything that happens in Toronto. And uh, it really, really uh, is that way as Chris and I both obviously living in Western Canada, that uh, government, uh, I'm not going to get into a government debate today. It's simple. Get rid of the guy that's running the country right now and we'd have, you know, we'd have some improvement in regard to government, in my opinion. And if you don't agree with that, please leave a comment at one of our nine different social media avenues. But the current administration of Canadian politics has seemingly forgotten that there are people Canadians and me <laughs> that live west of Ontario. Um, I know that 65% of the voting population in this great country lives in three provinces, two provinces and, a, and an area. But that doesn't mean you exclude Western Canada. You don't forget about the people that live in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and British Columbia. Those four provinces are not doing well right now. But I digress. I like to pick fun at Toronto because they are legends in their own mind. And until, or since, excuse me, the Toronto Raptors finally broke through and won a championship, the GTA had not done anything sports-wise since the Toronto Blue Jays back in 92 and 93 when they went back-to-back two years in a row. And between when they won back-to-back in 92 and 93 realistically, the only team that's done anything from the GTA happens to be the Toronto Blue Jays again when they made pretty deep runs in the playoffs in both 2015 and 2016 with the Bautista and Encarnacion teams of a couple years ago. And the Raptors. Well, of course, the Raptors. The Raptors have been in the playoffs seven years in a row, but the Raptors break through and win a championship last year. Congratulations uh, for the first time in their, what, 25-year history, 24-year history, something like that. Regardless of that, I always like poking fun at the, at, at the Toronto Maple Leafs because when the Maple Leafs come to Western Canada and they play the Oilers, the Flames, and the Vancouver Canucks, there always seems to me, especially here in Calgary, because I don't get to games in Edmonton or Vancouver, but I have been to a couple of reincarnations of the Toronto Maple Leafs when they visit uh, Canada or Calgary and they play the Flames. I've been to the the floodplain Flames home down at the Scotiabank and it does seem to be at that time that there are more Maple Leafs fans in the Calgary Stadium than there are Flames fans. It just seems that way. When the Maple Leafs score, it sounds like you're in the Scotiabank Arena in downtown Toronto versus being in the Scotiabank Saddle Dome in the floodplain down at Olympic Way here in Calgary. So I get a great sense of pride when I can take shots 
at the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the best way to take a shot at a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, ask them this. Oh, okay, Joe, uh, because everybody knows Joe in Toronto. Ask any American and they go, yeah, I know a guy. He's I, I know a guy from Toronto. I'll never forget that when I moved here 24 years ago. They go, um, do you know a guy in Toronto? Um, no, I don't. I'd never been to Toronto 24 years ago. I've been to Toronto since, but it's no great shakes. Their airport sucks. Um, but I get, ask a Toronto Tony, a Torontonian or a Maple Leafs fan more specifically. When was the last time you won a Stanley Cup? And you might, you would, you wouldn't believe it's like, it's like, uh, David Brenner. And I use that analogy. That was the guy, Bill Bixby played the part, but David Brenner or David, what David Banner in the old incredible Hulk series, it would be David Banner that injected himself through this gamma stuff. And that when he gets pissed off, he turns into the incredible Hulk. You ask a Toronto Maple Leafs fan when the last time they won a Stanley cup and they, you ask them, when was the last time you won a cup? It's like David Banner just got that on off switch to get pissed off because <laughs> uh, Bruce Banner, I think. Bruce, whatever, doesn't matter. Bruce Banner, David Banner, it doesn't. It was Bill Bixby played the role. And Lou Ferrigno was the Hulk. I remember that from my days. But the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm going to go out on a limb right here. Um, they thought in the GTA at the beginning of the season, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in my heart of hearts, when you bring in Tavares, you have another year of Austin Matthews, you've got the good goaltender, they believed that Mike Babcock was going to turn the corner. I mean, Toronto has made the playoffs the last couple of years, but they've always been eliminated in the first round. And that was part of the reason that the baby, Kyle Dubas, decided to make the change and, and get rid of Mike Babcock. That and Babcock was a bit of a bully. I digress. Let's get back to it's been since 1967 for the Toronto Maple Leafs to win a Stanley's Cup. Stanley Cup, excuse me. Don't want to, rep don't want to disrespect the trophy. The Maple Leafs have spent the last week out in California, and I think they probably spent a little bit too much time at the beach or in the bar. I don't know which one. Record-wise, three of the worst teams right now in the National Hockey League reside in California. So how in the hell did the playoff-bound Toronto Maple Leafs lose to L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose on a recent West Coast trip, earning only one point against these three lottery-bound teams? And I'm just going to finish this by saying to all Torontonians and all Maple Leafs fans, the number remains 53 years for the Toronto Maple Leafs. My favorite way to say it is the last time the Leafs won the cup, Canada's age was double digits. Oh my God. Yeah. It was a few days before. That's right. It was a few days. I, I don't know I mean, the exact 1867. To 1967. It, right. was, it was our centennial, but our centennial is July 1st. And right. the cup, I think back then the cup was played in like May. Right. So it was a couple, it was a month or two before we turned 100. Double, double digit age. <laughs> How do you like that? Like, honestly. And you know, Chris and I have sat here and talked about the New York Rangers and ripping James Dolan. We get it. James Dolan's an idiot. We understand we empathize, we sympathize. We're right there with you. He's a Yahoo. But the Maple Leafs have just about or even more revenue. They're number I'm one. I'm not sure. They're number one. Toronto's one? Yeah. Okay, they've got the most revenue to play with in the National Hockey League. Of all 32, 31 teams in the National Hockey League, the Toronto Maple Leafs have the number one revenue source. They can go out and buy themselves 
a Stanley Cup championship. And yet, the number still sits at 53. I think the problem in Toronto, besides a huge ego, is Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, run by Larry Tannenbaum. Oh, yeah. I think that's the problem. I'm not a fan of Kyle Dubas. I don't understand to this day why they bumped Brendan Shanahan up to director or whatever of hockey operations, basically Kyle Dubas's boss. I just don't understand that. What has Kyle Shanahan done to warrant getting kicked up in the front office? I think if anything, you kick Brendan Shanahan out of a job. What has he done in Toronto with the fan base that they have? You know, it's always been said to me, if we had two arenas, to watch the Maple Leafs, they'd sell out every night. It doesn't matter. There's never an empty seat in Scotiabank Arena to watch the, uh, the the Maple Leaf play. You have the unlimited resources. You have a fan base second to none. You've got some players that are actually afraid to play in Toronto, I think, just because of the immense pressure to play in Toronto. And yet, what is Maple Leaf sports and entertainment doing to help their fan base climb off down the tower or needle or whatever it is in Toronto, the big thing the in CN Toronto. Tower. Thank you, sir. The CN Tower. People, the Maple Leaf fans have been calling that, crawling that thing, threatening to jump off since 1967 because their team can't win a playoff or can't, excuse me, win a Stanley Cup. What is Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment doing to help their hockey team win a goddamn title? Well, not much, but I mean, the city this year did remind me of the Cleveland Browns, how the city was basically like Super Bowl and they missed the playoffs. And now it's like Stanley <laughs> Cup and now they're losing to Zamboni drivers and all the California teams. But no, honestly, which one is more fun for you? Okay, here, I've got yeah, another yeah. one. Okay, yeah. what would you rather tell a Maple Leafs fan? Would you rather say, you actually, I'll give you three options. Nice. You haven't, would you rather say you haven't won a cup since there were only five, five other teams? Would you rather <laughs> say, you haven't won a cup since Canada's age was double digits, mm-hmm. or you haven't won a cup since before man walked on the moon. Oh my God. What's I got to go with the man. Wa- I got to go man walking on the moon. Yeah. I mean, Neil Armstrong and the boys walked on the moon in 1969. Yeah, July 20th. July 20th. Tw- very good. July 20th, 1969. My God. Yeah, I'd have to say that one. Isn't that brutal? That's brutal, man. And I mean, we're not talking about, you know, the Ottawa Senators here. And I've got a story about the Senators in a minute. We're not talking about some limp dick franchise. We're talking about, again, the team, as Chris has just reminded me, has the most revenue to spend in the National Hockey League. They've got the most obvious, the most ruthless, passionate fan base. And they hang around watching these losers for 53 years. I mean, I think we got to start thinking about putting the Maple Leafs up there with James Dolan and MSG. I mean, here you've got two original six teams that can't figure their shit out. They can't figure it out, what they're doing. And you have unlimited ability to spend, spend, spend. Be like the Yankees back in the day. If you make a mistake, get rid of them, buy them off, and bring in and pay another guy to come in. But my God, you would think Toronto would just have the answer to winning a Stanley Cup championship. It should never be 53 years for any original six team. But... There's even a more special case, I think, when it involves the Toronto Maple Leafs because they think the world re- revolves around them in Toronto, and they're sitting here going, 
And, you know, it's funny, they beacon off all the time with Canadiens fans. And Canadiens fans, it's only been 25 years for them. 20, whatever it is now, 27, 1993. But I am just, it's incredulous to me that Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, Kyle, or uh, uh, Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas, and the rest of those idiots. Um, I'm thinking, you know, here's, here's a thought. Here's just a thought. You're seeing what Lou Lamarillo has done in uh, New York with the Islanders since he was released from his contract as the general manager of the Maple Leafs. Um, I bet Lou Lamarillo takes great pride in what's, what's not going on in Toronto right now because I can tell you Lou Lamarillo has done a lot less with a lot less in Uniondale, New York than he had to potentially work with in Toronto for damn sure. Yeah, and maybe if they keep Lou Lamorello, maybe when Barry Trotz comes available, they get Barry Trotz. Great. Oh, absolutely. Right? How about maybe when Kenny Holland becomes available, maybe you... It's not like Toronto and Detroit are that far apart, like you weren't aware of Ken Holland, right? And so, right. I mean, they, they've missed out on a lot of great hires. Brennan Shanahan I loved as a player, but ever since he's been an executive, he's been... This dead eyes, Katie Holmes married to Tom Cruise nice one. guy. Like, I mean, like, like his soul is gone. He reminds me of not not with the dead eye thing, but he reminds me of Robitaille and Blake in L.A. Like, uh, you know, a, a really great player who just isn't cut out to be wearing a suit and tie. And he should have been turfed a long time ago. And yeah, they shouldn't have this baby face guy running things there. That's so weird. He hasn't done a good job negotiating contracts. And there's just so imagine if they had. You know, Lamorello or Holland with Barry Trotz right now, if they gotten some cheaper contract, could have added a couple more depth guys. I mean, you know what? They, they really could have been something special. And, you know, like they've got Austin Matthews, who I don't personally like, but he's still he's he's put up like 45 goals yeah. already this year. It's not like there's nothing there. And I, I just think that they were they're They're so close and they can never get out of their own way. MLSC is not going to get in trouble or really have much anytime soon any much negativity i don't think because you know they they always sell out all the games the raptors just won the title they're good for a while i think and leafs fan it's been so long as we have made abundantly clear this episode it's been so long it's just it's just business as usual i mean the thought of the leafs doing well or winning a cup is ridiculous like even when they're good, never mind when they're bad. I mean, right. it's just it's it's almost impossible to imagine the Leafs being good and doing well and making their fans happy. It's it's like this. It's kind of like the Cleveland Browns and their franchises. It's just this Stockholm syndrome type of a relationship where you just you you cheer for them and you just deep down know they're going to disappoint you even though they have every advantage like they almost act like an underdog type of a like a like Cleveland is this you know blue collar town on the river and or on the on the on Lake Erie and it's you know it's it nobody's going to Cleveland because it's like Hollywood or something right, right. you know you know what i mean but Toronto is the number one revenue city it's the biggest city in Canada they think it's the center of the universe. They've got every advantage you can want. And they act like this scrappy underdog that just hasn't gotten any breaks. And they've got every advantage. And it's completely embarrassing. But it's just, again, in my lifetime, certainly, and, and almost in your entire lifetime oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, ever since you... I was three years old when the Toronto Maple Leafs won their last Stanley Cup. Yeah. So, I mean, how it's hard to picture it being any other way. And I don't know if that'll 
ever change. It's just the way things are. And just like the Dallas Cowboys, they're just going to keep pissing away every advantage in the world. I'd like to see MLSC have to run whoever the lowest revenue franchise, like run the Anaheim Ducks or something. I'd like to see Jerry Jones have to run the Arizona Coyotes. Sure. Or, oh, I'd like, well, I'd like to see him like go to baseball after run the Oakland A's or oh, the Tampa God, Bay yeah. Rays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, I mean, let, let's see. Okay. You guys can do it like this. I mean, some people are actually better. I mean, if you remember Glenn Sather, sure. You know, herpes lip, as you call him, uh, you know, in Edmonton, you know, yeah, they had an all star team due to some great drafting and some other stuff. But, you know, it's not like Edmonton was this, you know, des- the, the northernmost city in the NHL. Not like that was a prime destination otherwise. But then he goes to New York gets all the money in the world, no salary cap, and he's giving $9 million a year to Bobby Holik and Darius Kasparaitis. <laughs> and, you know, they missed, they missed the playoffs seven years in a row with the highest payroll in the league. He was better. Yeah. He yeah. was better when... And, and, like, I've compared it before to Howard Stern. You could make... The, now, Howard Stern has reinvented himself in recent years as a world-class, serious interviewer. Yes. But earlier on, before he did that, you could have made the case that he was funnier when he had restrictions, what he could do, and he had to find clever ways around it. Great than when point. he could, then when he could just bring on porn stars and like, let me see your pussy. Like, right. <laughs> like, okay, that's neat. But I mean, there's no real, it's not clever or anything. Like he was better when he had restrictions. Yeah. And maybe that's what, maybe that's what the Leafs need. Maybe that's what this is. They're just fat, lazy aristocrats who just barf everything everywhere and nothing ever works and they don't really care. And it, it, it's kind of sad, especially when I see, uh, you know, I'm still impressed by the Maple Leafs fans cheering and giving a standing ovation to the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to them when a, a backup goalie from their own organization, uh, a Zamboni driver who's 42 years old, when he comes in and beats them. So good for them. So you know what? There's got to be some really good fans there. And I guess there has to be when you keep supporting and selling out the arena. Because even the Oilers, after 10 years out of the playoffs, finally stopped selling out their arena all the time. And so, hey, I got nothing bad to say about the Maple Leafs fans right now because of of that nice display the other day. But man, the organization can go fuck themselves. Did you ever see the uh, Howard Stern movie Private Parts? Yeah, when I first saw that in 1994, it was my favorite movie. I love that movie. I loved that. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's my favorite movie. I I love love that movie. And that was before I... Before I had actually seen Jenna Jameson in her actual cinematic career very often when she was just like on top of that. Right. On the, yeah, yeah. It turns up the base or right. whatever there. Yeah. yeah. So that was what I, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Paul Giamatti as pig vomit was, yeah. <laughs> man, was he What's good. That? He's a great actor. When he's sitting there in Central Park playing uh, Frisbee with yeah. the guy and the guy keeps, hit, keeps hitting him in the eyes and Howard just keeps throwing it out. <laughs> that was just and you know having been in the radio business not to obviously not to the to the extent of Howard Stern for Christ's sake but I, you know I started by doing midnight overnights and you've probably done midnight overnights midnight to 6 GX94 yeah and uh you know just to see the ascension from he started at a country station you know think just, about just that. like I did and now I'm unscripted yeah. see anything I, can happen there you go and and but just think about it Howard Stern Who's now making how many millions a year for Sirius Satellite? And but I, I got to get back. What, to what, real, real quick, actually, I want to ask you because you know we both like Stern. What did you think of Don Imus? I think he was jealous of Stern. But even before that, let's say before, before Stern came along. Um, I didn't mind Imus. I think he got too political sometimes. He see, didn't he seem like just a mean person? Well, he seemed mad. He seemed mad. mad at the world. Like, a, like and a here's really a guy. Sorry, guy but here's a guy. That made a living, 
that we guys like you and I would have given our testicle for in regard to sitting there and getting overpaid to talk into a microphone a couple hours a day. It just seemed to me, I, I think Imus was smart, but I think Imus, in my opinion, listening to a lot of the Don Imus programming, especially when he made it to New York, um, I feel that Imus felt that, to me, it felt like he was pissed off at somebody or somebody owed him something. And yet, you think about it, he was at the top of the radio. Yeah. He was at the top. He just seems like kind of a rotten person to me. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that for like, sure. Like, I guarantee I wouldn't have, even if I would have been an equal and not a threat to him and we could have, like, I I guarantee we wouldn't have been friends, right? Like, I, I, I wouldn't think, want to be around him. I, know I don't that. think, let's just say this. I believe that a lot of people would, would lay their lives down for Howard Stern. Whereas if you ask that same thing of Don Imus, I don't think there'd be that many people that would answer that call. Yeah, it just it seemed like that's how it was back in the day. The guy gets the top and he's just a cocky asshole and somehow he gets to stay there, I guess, if he gets ratings and people don't like him. Like, why not just be a nice person and get it? Like, there's, you have nothing to... You've got... You're already at the top. Like, why not just be nice to people and be, yeah. you know... Like, he, there clearly something was wrong with that guy, honestly. He just seemed like a like an asshole. Oh, I, I totally agree. Um... We did this last week, and I want to do it real quick again this week, and I'll continue to do it because I like to see the changes, especially in the Western Conference of the National Hockey League. There's a lot of change. There's a number of teams. I think going into Friday night action, there were like four teams that were sitting at 74 points, which put them just one point out of a playoff position. But as we sit here on Saturday, early Saturday afternoon, um, I want to go through quick what would be the first-round matchups um, and not much change in the East, but a lot of change in the West. Let's start with the East. Boston would play the New York Islanders now in the first round. Uh, Tampa Bay would be the home team against the Toronto Maple Leafs, as we just dissected. Um, the Metropolitan one, Washington, would be uh, the home team in a series against Columbus. The Blue Jackets were just here this week in Calgary. And they're in Edmonton tonight. They're in Edmonton tonight, correct. And uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh for the Battle of Pit uh, Pennsylvania, that would still be ongoing. So not much change there. Tampa and Toronto, Boston and the New York Islanders. Um, we'll get your comments on that in a minute. But in the West, lots of change. Last week, we were all excited about Vegas and Calgary. Well, this week, it would be Vegas and Vancouver. Vancouver has not had a good week. Vancouver has slipped down to the wild card number one position. The second one is most intriguing to me. As of the season ended right now, Pacific Division number two Edmonton would be the home team against Pacific Division number three Calgary. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Chris and I against my family. Mm, good. Um, love it. Um, Central one St. Louis would take on wildcard two Winnipeg. There's a change right there. And Central two Colorado would take on Central three Dallas. No change there. So quickly, here's some, some comments on... Uh, the games that would be played if they were starting this week in the National Hockey League playoffs? Well, I still don't like Edmonton and Calgary uh, in the first round there. I mean, yes, it would be very entertaining, and the media would actually cover it a lot, which would be weird for the Eastern media there. But it would just play the teams out. It would be too emotional. They would leave them flat for the second round. It would take a lot out of them, I think, even if Edmonton swept them. It would still, to me, it would just it would take a bite out of them, and I don't like that, and I don't want that. And also, I've never gone to a 
I've gone to many NHL games. I don't think I've ever been to a playoff game. Oh, really? Certainly not in Edmonton. No. And so, you know, I've got a number of uh, Oilers fans at work and we're serious about going to a playoff game this year. And, you know, if it was against Calgary, number one, it'd be even harder to get tickets than otherwise. So it would drive the price up even more. And number two, there'd be more Calgary fans there. And I just hate going to any game ever when there's lots of the other teams fan. I want to be surrounded by complete homers like me and just and do that. And so I don't really want that. I know whoever we play, there are probably going to be some other ones there. Like if Vancouver would probably have a number of fans there too. But I don't know. Calgary would just be the worst choice for me. Vegas would destroy Vancouver. Unless Markstrom comes back, is healthy and stands on his head, Vegas will destroy them. I, I really don't want to face Vegas. I hope we can stay in the number two or three seed or even past Vegas. I don't want to play Vegas in, in at any point. I hope someone else eliminates them. St. Louis, Winnipeg, that's that's a tough one to call. Colorado, Dallas, I've said before, I like that one. Philly, Pittsburgh, love. That's, that's a great one, but that also pretty much means that neither of those teams would win the cup if they play each other. Right. Washington, Columbus, whatever, Tampa, Toronto, Boston Islanders. Boston Islanders, that's one like you, you could see a, a crazy upset like, you know, Tampa last year, right? That That's that's asking for that one. But what I really want to see and what our Vancouver Bureau Chief Sean Doe told me the other day, he wants Tampa to beat, Bo- like overtake Boston for the, uh, for the lead on the last day of the season. And then at the last second, Boston has to face Toronto. And uh, and you know how that goes every single every time. Every single time. And and Sean despises Boston, but he just, you know, he just thinks it's funny, and I do too. That just whenever Boston and Toronto play in the playoffs, doesn't matter who the rosters are, who's in the laundry, doesn't matter. It's always the same thing. Even when Toronto looks like they're going to win, they blow it. And uh, I'd love to see Boston and Toronto in the playoffs again. That'd be fun. Couple quick uh, other National Hockey League notes. I'll get to Eugene Melnick uh, probably in our next episode because I think we're gonna have fun on at the expense of Uncle Eugene. Uh, that's what I call him now. Um, Saturday night down at uh, whatever they're calling their arena in South Florida, the home of the Florida Panthers. I'm I'm wondering a little bit about this one. Um, I don't quite know what to think of this as the Florida Panthers are retiring Roberto Luongo's jersey number one on Saturday night in the Panthers' home game against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, You know, I know that Luongo won gold for Team Canada in Olympic competition, but, you know, have we gotten to the point that we're retiring everybody's number now? Um, We're going to start having to have number 103, on right wing for the Ypsilinti whatever. I mean, it's just, we've gotten to the point where anybody that's done anything significant for an organization, and I guess it's a PR thing, I get that, but what did Roberto Luongo do for the Florida Panthers to make them feel obligated, make them feel whatever they're feeling, but does Roberto Luongo's jersey deserve to be retired by the Florida Panthers? I, I, I'm I having a problem with that, obviously. I just don't know. I mean, there are no Stanley Cups down in Sunrise, Florida. Um, the time that the um, Florida Panthers were in the Stanley Cup Finals way back in the late 90s, John Van Beesbrook was their goaltender. It wasn't Roberto Luongo. So why... And, and again... Maybe I'm 
taken an underhanded shot at Roberto Luongo because there's a lot of a lot of guys in this day and age in sports that you got to scratch your head and go, why is this team, you know, retiring the number of this guy? But I am really shaking my head as to why the Florida Panthers are retur- retiring Roberto Luongo's jersey number one on Saturday night against the Canadiens. Any ideas, sir? The only explanation is that it's a desperate attempt to try to build a legacy and try to build up your franchise a little bit because Roberto Luongo's stats, other than the fact that he's second in all-time in games played in the NHL for a goaltender, and he's third in all-time in wins, but I mean, that wins are largely the team beside you, and uh, playing way more games than everyone else is a huge advantage for that. You can't like he didn't do anything like never mind not winning a cup. So I, I've tried to look for all of his highlights at all on his resume. He's a two-time second-team All-Star. Okay, uh, I seem to remember David Riddick in the All-Star game this year. So <laughs> there you go. No save, Dave. Yeah, uh, he he was the co-winner of the Jennings Trophy, which is given to the goaltending tandem with the lowest goals against average in the league he won that in 2011 with Corey schneider in vancouver so that's not even a florida accomplishment if that's what you're looking at he was a finalist for a number of awards he never won any of them he was a finalist for the vesna the pearson the Hart. never won any of them and that's it so i mean yeah and like a lot of this stuff isn't even from florida so I don't know. That's crazy. I mean, I have to say emphatically, if we're talking about voting for the NHL Hall of Fame, he should never, ever, ever get in. Oh, God, all. that goes without saying. Yeah, I hope that's... But I'm having oh. trouble with them retiring his number. I mean, I just don't understand. I mean, if you're Mickey Mantle, and I'm, I I know we're going to the top of the, of the leaderboard here, but if you're Mickey Mantle, absolutely, you get your number retired by the New York Yankees. Um... If you're Wayne Gretzky, you get your number retired by the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings because what you did for hockey in Southern California. At least Wayne Gretzky got the Los Angeles Kings to the 1993 Stanley Cup Finals. But Luongo didn't do any of this stuff. I'm just kind of shaking my head, just kind of incredulously thinking, you know, again, I I don't mean to disrespect Roberto Luongo, um, but I just don't know... And there is no set rules. There is no, you know, uh, bylaws that you go by in regard to, you know, what determines an organization deciding to retire a guy's number. But Roberto Lorongo in Miami, I think he might even be more suited to have his Vancouver jersey retired than his Miami jersey. Or even his Canadian jersey. Even his Canadian, yeah. He did well as that, but that's not Florida. That's a different country and an international competition. has nothing to do with Florida, and he's winning gold medals on stacked Canada teams. I mean, it's I mean, I could goaltend for a team that has Gretzky and and Lemieux and and all those super studs on it. So So, I don't know. This is just a weird decision. I think what would have been better, I think if you want to, like, if you want to have Roberto Luongo Day and Roberto Luongo Bobblehead Day yeah. and we give Roberto Luongo the key to the city or some yeah, shit. Put him in the ring of fame or put or him in the Even that, sure. You know, yeah, yeah, okay. Like put his name up there. He was like a big name that played for a franchise. Right. Yeah, and we've got all kinds of room. That's great. But to retire a number just seems ridiculous. And there's no excuse for it. It was the wrong decision. And all right, it. before we get out of here on this 473rd episode of our program, we do want to send our condolences 
to longtime Montreal Canadian center Henri, Henri, whatever, Richard, Pocket Rocket, uh, the brother of Maurice Rocket Richard. And the reason I wanted to bring this up, and again, pay respects to this man who died on Friday at the age of 84 years old. And he was nicknamed the Pocket Rocket for his 5'7", 160-pound frame. But here's the thing. And Chris and I, and Chris, as soon as I said this, Chris goes, this will never happen again. And you know what? He's absolutely right. And what's never going to happen again? A guy that wins 11 Stanley Cups. This, that'll never happen again. In this day and age, you don't stay with a team that long. Uh, teams aren't that successful that, with, with the salary cap. Teams can't, can't keep their studs that long anymore. You will never, and the bottom line, <laughs> you will never have a team like those great Canadians teams that won every flipping year, it seems like. And here's a guy that played on 11 Stanley Cup championship winning teams that in itself deserves our praise and our uh, prayers to his family for his passing at the age of 84 on Friday. Yeah, you could be a fourth liner that whole time and you're still getting in. You're still, you still for a, got 11 rings. You're still a first ballot Hall of Famer with 11 rings. Good grief. I mean, that's ridiculous. He played for them from 55 to 75, 20 seasons, over half of the seasons he won the title. He won 11 championships in 20 years. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, from 55 to 75, won 11 titles. And I know it's not all him in hockey, especially, but 11 titles. There's no, and I know there's only five other teams and, and all that, and that's fine. And that's why, I mean, even today he could be, you know, whatever. How many does Messier have? Messier won how many in Edmonton? Well, he won five in Edmonton. Five in Edmonton and one in, and New, one York. in New York. So, so he's got six. So that's, pretty, Gretzky, that's amazing. Gretzky's got four. Four, just the first Gretzky's four Gretzky's got the four in Edmonton, never won anywhere else. Um, who else has been successful? Unbelievably. Um, I'll, I'll look it up for you. Well, uh, Sidney Crosby, how many has he won? Three? Three, okay. Just, I mean, you you throw out these three names um, of Gretzky, Messier, and um, Sidney Crosby, and, well, let's see, six and four is well, ten. They mean, just, the three of them just go over Richard's winning 11 championships. I mean, that to me is... I mean, that's up there with the Yankees winning 27 team championships, the Canadians winning, what is it, 25 or 26 with the Canadiens. Um, that is freaking amazing that one guy has 11 rings. That just I, I yeah. just, I just, I can't fathom that. So all the top ones, it looks like, are all from that whole era, basically from the 50s through the end of the 70s, uh, Montreal teams. Sure. They're all from there. So yeah, Pocket Rocket with 11. Uh, Jean Beliveau had 10 cups with Montreal. Uh, he also and John Bellavo not only won 10 cups as a player with the Habs he won another 7 working for their front office as well so he's got 17 cups if you include player plus whatever but anyways <laughs> 17 Stanley Cups there you go because you think your here, resume here, looks here, good throw, throw one extra one here put it in your garage yeah, sale yeah, I've got 16 yeah, others to play with what yeah, the hell yeah oh my it's funny God. Uh, that's funny actually there's a funny story that Bill Burr told about Ric Flair uh, and, and it was it was really good. So I guess Ric Flair one time he got drunk at a restaurant, and had some chicks with him, and then they went back to the hotel room and passed out. And he wakes up the next morning and he says, "He's like, where's my Rolex? My Rolex is gone. What's going on?" And one of the girls he's with is like, "You don't remember?" And he's like, "No, what happened?" And he's like, and she's like, "We were in the restaurant." You got mad at something. You took off your Rolex and threw it in your spaghetti. And you said, 
I got 15 more of these at home. And then you took off. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, yeah. But that's that's what John Belleville can kind of do is throw the ring in his spaghetti. Uh, Yvonne Cornwallet had 10 cups for them as well. Uh, Claude Provo had nine. Um, Red Kelly is the most successful NHL player who never played for Montreal. Okay. He won eight Stanley Cups with Detroit and Toronto from 50 to 67. So eight Cups without any Montreal. So that guy, Red Kelly, was on the last Toronto Maple Leafs team to win a Stanley Cup championship. Yes, he was. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a picture signed in this house somewhere of Johnny Bauer. He was the goaltender of that 67 team. Yeah. I have that somewhere. That's worth something. The master of the poke check. Yeah. Johnny, and which is brilliant because, yeah, if I was playing without a mask, I'd poke check people too. Hell Br- yeah. Brilliant. Uh, Jacques Lemaire won eight cups of Montreal before beginning his uh, long career as a coach. And this is what I really want to see. Rocket Richard, the older brother, yeah. he won eight cups with uh, Montreal from 1944 to 1960. But you'll see this is all back in... In the era of 50s, 60s, and 70s. Right, when there were only, what, 16? Yeah, and, and other than that, it's, yeah, everyone else is a distant, is distantly behind that, yeah. Still unbelievable, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the Richard family. Unbelievable. 11 Stanley Cup rings. That's just, wow. In this day and age, obviously more teams, uh, salary cap, idiot owners, idiot organizations, but unbelievable. 11 Stanley Cup championships. That, that mind, that number is just mind-numbing to, to me. To be honest, the New England Patriots with Belichick and Brady could have easily won 11 because they went they went 11 years in the middle. Like, they've got six rings, which is great, but th- it was three out of four at the very beginning right. and then and then three more fairly recently. Yeah. They went, they're prime. They didn't win. Like, if you, that middle decade, uh, they're prime, basically. They didn't win any. Right. You win half of those when when they're going to the AFC Championship game every year. Think about the Atlanta Braves every year. Think about the Atlanta Braves. Starting in 1994, they won 15 or 14 or 15 consecutive American League, excuse me, National League Eastern Division championships, but they only won one World, World Series. Series championship. Wow. The '95 Braves. Wow. And that and and that was an All Star team. Yeah, and like you had the Maddox three, and Smoltz. Maddox, and, Smoltz, and Glavin. Yeah. As the pitchers, um, Chipper Jones at third base. But you sit here and you think about it. You win 14 division championships in a row. It's kind of, you know what? It, it, I don't mean this blasphemously or blas- whatever the word is. I'm, I'm trying to think, let you think I'm smarter than I really am. But I don't mean this disrespectfully, I guess, is the way I should say it. But you think about it. When you win 14 division championships in a row and you only win one series... It's almost like my beloved Packers with now 27 years of quarterbacking between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and we've only won two championships. What a waste. 14 division championships in a row, and the Braves only saw action in three World Series and only won one of them. So um, kind of a waste there, really. I mean, Bobby Cox, John Shorehulls, what a team. But they get to the postseason, and for some reason... They just went to the shitter. We've got to run on this uh, 473rd episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, as always. Thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. A lot of things to get to yet the rest of this uh, week of shows. we got to talk about our favorite whipping boy, Tim Tebow. He's in the news this week. We've got some NFL news and notes to talk about. And uh, I also want to talk about who I think might be the three most improved players right now in the NBA. 
And I'm not putting Giannis Antetokounmpo on that list. These are three other people that have played very, very well this year. And we'll discuss it, discuss it later here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. For the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.